And welcome back to the latest greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. Today we're talking about some of the top prospects we really, really like. My name is Jaden May, joined as always by my co-host Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? I'm doing wonderful, Jay. It is nice to take a break from trying to input draft data into Microsoft Excel to talk to some real human beings about football. It's great. I'm excited. My name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at Stats. You can find the podcast count on Twitter at shaving underscore points. That's PTS underscore pod. Make sure to go check out our website, shaving-points.com, where you can find all our wonderful faces all over. It's just like pictures of us everywhere. Basically like a, like a Tumblr of just our faces. It's great. But seriously, go check it out. Like, subscribe. Please rate us on whatever you're listening to us on. Really appreciate it. It's going to help us in the algorithm of whatever you're listening to the podcast through. And now let's get down to business. Yes, sir. We will have the Jeff. Quentin will have the Jeff guide out, hopefully, by, by Sunday for everybody looking for it. It'll be very comprehensive. What is it? 250 players in total. Oh, don't don't make me uh, make me cry. It's 200. To, uh, 200 players. I think 190 three to be exact 193 players stats nicknames fun facts it'll be be a good little tool but got your back got you covered make sure you check that out whenever it comes out on sunday we'll put out some tweets let y'all know whenever it's coming keep an eye out for that we're excited for that new feature that's in there this year is I'm not just consolidating a bunch of scouts opinions this year. It is all my opinion this year from watching their tape. And you can see exactly what they're getting graded on. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see film grade, ceiling grade, size, athleticism, versatility, floor, intangibles, positional value and experience all combining into a final score. Yes, sir. So today we're talking about some of the top prospects that we really, really like. Starting out with our favorite prospect in the draft. Favorite as in we we wish him much, much success is Terry Wilson out of Texas Tech. Absolute unit. Absolute unit. This dude is just imposing size, has some insane raw power. I highly encourage you if you if you want to check it out or if your team drafts them and you want to go go back and take a look at what game to watch or if you just like me and just are a football junkie and just want to watch everything that you can find, go watch his TCU tape from this past year. It's insane. This guy almost single-handedly won the game for Texas Tech that game. He was just everywhere. And his nickname's The Condor because he's he's everywhere. Like I just said, his length is utter, is utterly insane. He's just, he can reach across a 10-foot room easily. It, yeah, nearly 37-inch arms, like absolutely insane. Yeah, and he's got athleticism to go with that. He's not the bendiest edge rusher you're ever going to find. Personally, I think bend is a little overrated because there's only a handful of guys in this entire class that have a ton of bend, and Will Anderson's not. Like, I mean, I just think it's a bit of an overrated thing. It's great if you have it, and if you're elite at it, it's like, it's super special, but it's just there aren't that many guys who truly have that much bend, in my opinion. One thing that I think is kind of being misrepresented with Wilson is that he is a high ceiling, low floor player. And I, I mean, I think he's a high ceiling player for sure, but I think his floor is pretty high too. Just because, as I'm thinking through, like, if you take out injury aspect, what's the what's the lowest that you see this guy being? It's probably a run-stuffing edge in a four-down four front, right? Like, he's going to be able to stuff the run no matter what as a defensive. Injuries aside, this is a guy I see. It's like, worst-case scenario, you get a, a six- to eight-year solid player that can give you 85% of the defensive snap. I heard someone say a good comp for him was Jadavian Clowney a little while back, and I don't wholeheartedly disagree. Like, Clowney's been a disappointment as a number one overall pick, sure, but, like, you know what, he stuffs the run all day, and, like, that, 
that that's kind of what I yeah. As a football player, Jadavion Clowney's still getting it done. If he was even the second overall or third overall, you would consider his career pretty successful. Yeah. Personally, I see Tyree Wilson. At, like, I went back and watched, because I, I was like, I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy in thinking this. I went back and watched some DeForest Buckner tape from when he was at Oregon. And I just see such similar players. And, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't know that I would that I want to kick Tyree Wilson inside to three tech just because kind of how the league has changed. That's what happened with Buckner. I think if Buckner was coming out today, you might, might want him on the edge still. And that's kind of where I see Tyree playing is on the edge instead of, I think he, he's capable of kicking inside, but I don't know that I'd want to. because so I think he's going to, in what the league is today, where you want to play in light boxes, having an edge defender who can, can just stuff the run like Tyree does is super valuable. Let alone if if he continues to develop, like you said, with those hands, with that length, he can get after the passer as well with some. Yeah, I mean, I think he can immediately rookie year. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for double digit set. He's got that kind of ability for sure. He is what number seven on the average big board, seven point three. This is rank on the average big board of what I've consolidated so far. I, he's he's my number four player in the class. I mean, defensively, I would if I'm between him, Jalen Carter, and Will Anderson, I would have a pretty tough time choosing one of them. Uh, honestly, I, I put him on the same level as those. So, I guess he's my one A, one B, or one C, however you want to call it, as far as defense players go in the draft. So, you got add Christian Gonzalez to that group, my friend. You think he's up there with those guys? I think he is right up there with guys. We'll see. I don't know. He's immediately second tier for me as far as that goes. I could be wrong. I'm excited to see where this guy ends up. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Seattle. Seems like a perfect fit. Yeah, Seattle would be a great fit for him. I think he he uh, would really help that defensive line there right away. And you'll have two tech boys leading the way for him on defense. It'll be cool to see. Absolutely. I don't know how long I'll have my voice for. I'm coming off being sick, so we'll go on to the next person here. What about this fun fact here that you dug up for me on Tyree Wilson? Yeah, so it's, it's funny that he he believes that the movie Shrek is based off an old Norse mythical creature that ate children. It makes sense, because I could, I could see that, if you didn't know. Instead of waffles, it's children. So now we got CJ Stroud up here, and we do not have his full scouting report here. This is what I'm still working on. That's okay. I can go on for days. This is my favorite player in this draft, I think. I think if you're if you're drafting CJ Stroud, you're drafting the best quarterback in this draft, probably the best player in this draft. Um, I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses in his game. Coming out of Ohio State, so he struggled his first like three quarters, and people were wondering like Oh, are they going to put in Quinn Ewers? Like, this kid doesn't look like he's had it. And then ever since then, all he's done is gotten better and better at Ohio State. Yeah, he's had a plethora of wide receivers. He's going to have, like, in three years, his college, like, three years down the road from now, he would have had probably five receivers that were drafted in the first round when he was in college. Like, absolutely insane. But... I mean, you still got to distribute the ball. You still got to make the rage. You still got to make the throws. And he's been absolutely incredible at it. He's got good speed, sneaky that he doesn't use when he has to run. He's been a good runner. But, I mean, he really is a pocket passer, cerebral in the game, um, makes good reads. I think I think whoever gets this guy is going to be absolutely in love with the pick. And to me, I don't think... I think he's in a class of his own at quarterback in this in this class. And he might not even be the first, second, or third quarterback to go off the board, which is insane to me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's my top quarterback. He's my number six overall player. On average, he is ranked, what, 5.3 on the average big board. So he's right up there. It's like he's ranked there on the big boards, but no one thinks he's going to get drafted <laughs> within that. You know, it's very bizarre. It's because you have so you have you have Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, and then Tyree Wilson, and then the gentleman you brought up a second ago, Gonzalez. 
like so those four guys are probably going top seven top eight and then you look at where the quarterbacks are going to land and it's like do they fall in love with anthony richardson do they fall in love with bryce young do they fall in love with will levis but all of a sudden you can see cj stroud drop to 10 11 which would be crazy but we see it happen all the time just look back on the the Bears draft because a lot of people forget when the Bears drafted Trubisky, Mahomes and Watson were both there. Nobody really talks about it. Like nobody really knew who was going to be the first quarterback to go. And then Trubisky ended up being the first quarterback to go at two. Watson and Mahomes both fell to 10, 10 and 12, 11 and 13, whatever it was. 10 and 12, I think. We see a similar situation at this. Like, but no, I'm excited for CJ Stroud. He's, he's absolutely my favorite quarterback in this draft. And I think he's going to be a perennial top seven to 10 quarterback at minimum, assuming he falls in a, he doesn't have to fall in a good situation. I, I feel like if he just falls in a decent situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, with his pocket pass, how smooth he is as a pocket passer already, I think this guy's with this kid. What, I mean, what, what really intrigues me is Detroit for him. If they let him sit behind Goff for a year or two, then all of a sudden they're going to have three top 20 receivers in the league. Probably still a good offensive line. Then Stroud coming into year halfway through year two or year three, loaded up with weapons all over the field. And Detroit's just building a very solid team. That could be nasty. Man, if I'm the Lions, I don't see any reason to sit I'm start, I like if he can beat out beat out golf. I'm starting. Oh, if he can beat out golf, golf's been playing well. I mean, it's not, if if it's a true competition, and he beats out golf. Like they're a an absolute favorite to come out of the NFC if that's the case. Because if you get somebody playing better than like good enough to beat out a guy that's making for one to beat out a guy that's making that much money, a proven veteran who played as well as he did last year. And you have a, a rookie that can beat him out in training camp, like you're <laughs> be very, very good team. I think he could. They got a lot of talent on that roster. I don't think you need to be a great QB to, to be doing what golf is doing. I think you gotta be fine. Which maybe maybe I'm expecting too much from a rookie there. I think Stroud's got all the talent to do it. I'm I'm just saying like golf, I mean I feel like people don't put enough respect on that man, but I don't feel like that's like a job you walk into and like you expect him to win. Uh, I guess no. I, I think it's it. like a coin flip. Uh, best case scenario, he wins day one and lights it up. Worst case scenario, he gets to sit behind a guy who went through some bad years early in his career on a really bad team, turned around, went to a Super Bowl, got traded to perennially one of the worst franchises in the league and almost took him to the playoffs in the second year and is a part of a really big rebuild. Like I feel like Goff is, would be the perfect veteran to put around somebody like CJ Stroud. Fun fact here, a few years ago, CJ Stroud actually broke his arm, his throwing arm, while chasing after a squirrel. And now he just he wants to kill every squirrel he sees. He hates them. It's blood boils. That's why he was a four-star coming out of high school because he missed his last two high school games. Yeah, that dang squirrel, man. It got the best of him. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for CJ Stroud, and I think. Let's say Houston, for some reason, loves any of these other guys. Like, if, if their top guy goes one, and they're like, well, we still need a quarterback, but we're not going to take Stroud because the rumor is that they're not taking Stroud no matter what. Like, they deserve to be in poverty for the rest of forever. Dude, there are a lot of people out there right now putting out some hate on CJ Stroud and putting out some, like, love for Davis. It's really weird. Or not Davis. Da- Davis Mills? Davis Mills. Mike Lombardi, who I believe has connections to the Texans GM, which like put something out, trashing Justin Fields and loving Davis Webb. Like CJ Stroud? No, Justin Fields. He was trashy. He was comparing Davis Mills to Justin Fields. Oh. Their stats and being like, 
why is one quarterback getting love, the other getting hate? And it's like, man, this ain't the same thing. <laughs> yeah, Houston deserves every bad thing that comes to them. And then the rumors are that they don't like his they don't like that his agents, the same agent as Deshaun Watson. I don't know if that's because of the way Deshaun left or if that's the guaranteed money aspect of it. And they don't want to be paying a quarterback guaranteed guaranteed contracts. If you're not gonna take a player because you don't want to deal with their agent, that's even stupider. If you're having to deal with the agent, that means you have a really, really good player. Well, I mean, that agent probably, probably covers like a hundred people in the NFL. Yeah. So you're just going to avoid those hundred people. Like that's just bad business. If, if you're having to do negotiations with an agent, you're most likely dealing with a pretty damn good player. Yeah. Because rookie contracts are pretty simple. Yeah. That's a problem for five years for me. Come on. People get different agents all the time. So. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you have to deal with an agent you don't like because your quarterback's so good that you want to sign him long term. We'll move on to the next guy here. Another guy that I absolutely love. Uh, my favorite wide receiver in the draft. Another Ohio State guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Didn't see much of him this year. I feel like this guy is getting a lot of hate in the media uh, for not playing when Jamar Chase did something similar, but Jamar Chase wasn't even coming off injury. Was Jamar Chase coming off injury, or did he just sit? He just sat. Jackson Smith and Jigba at least kind of tried to go a couple of times, but kind of already knew his value. Wasn't going to hurt himself long-term. One of the most crisp route runners I've ever seen in my life, and he sees the field for a wide receiver at such a high level. Dude. His his he caught eighty five percent of his passes in last in twenty twenty one. That's just stupid, stupid. And he was open all the time. You know why? Because this dude just constantly separates. His agility is ludicrous. So what? He doesn't run a four three or a four four. It's a four five. It's average. But his agility testing is out of this world. Jerry, what Jerry Rush run like a four seven? I don't even know about that, but yeah. But I'm just saying, I'll like talk. you, you don't, you don't need the top end speed to always be open. I mean, not when you're agile like this. Not when you you have a toolbox of releases to pull from. Like you want to have some fun, go, go put on JSN's tape for 2021. Watch his releases through the whole first quarter, and then skip to the fourth quarter. And see how we use those to set shit up. So just like he does not show you everything he has until he needs to. Like he always has new things to to get open off the line of scrimmage. That is just it is beyond his years the way this guy is releasing off the line of scrimmage eyes into his routes and from the stem and the way he's setting corners up to fail. It's just he's so good at it. At such a young age, I'm just excited to watch this kid in the NFL. I'm excited for this guy. He's my favorite wide receiver in the draft. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing him. He's number, uh, on JSN real quick, he's number 18 on average on the big boards. He's number seven on my board. And little known fact, he's developed an alter ego over the years as a food critic named Rick. And he's the host of Rick's Reviews on social media. So go check out Rick's reviews. Rick's reviews. Love it. Also, one guy I meant to tell you, I don't know if you can pull him up or what you have on him real quick. This is my favorite running back in the draft, Jameer Gibbs. I think whoever gets Jameer Gibbs is getting the best running back in the league and or best running back in the in the draft, possibly the best running back in the league. I love this kid out of Alabama. And I've watched two games of him and like he's electric. He's absolutely it's just how much do you value a running back who's electric in like spurts you know that because that's the way i see him like he's he's gonna be insane highlight reel for someone but it's like it's not in the, the every down consistency is what i worry about more with him every down consistency in today's nfl i mean and every down back is getting what 23 carries in today's nfl so it's like if he's splitting carries with some hard-nosed running back and he's only getting 12 to 15 carries 
I mean, his lateral movement, the way he sees the field, his vision for the for hitting the hole, and then his top end speed and his acceleration is so insane on top of being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's built perfectly for today's NFL as far as running back goes. Yeah, he may he may do better in a in a role where he's not getting the first and most second down look. If it's third and seven and he's on the field, it's like well, you can still run the draw and he can absolutely get it. I mean, he's good pass blocking, he's good he's good receiver of the football, and then he can give you an entire fourth quarter and he can give you 12, 12 carries in the fourth quarter to close out a game on top of that. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he has like two thousand all purpose yards at within the first three years of his career at some point this season. Yeah, no, neither would I. I was I was genuinely asking, like, how high can you value a guy who's only on the field for like half the snaps, you know? Because like, I think he belongs at the top of whatever that value is. I've got him at 31 right here on my board. Mid-second round or beyond, I think that could be like the steal of the first 50 picks. Personally, I, I think that's like, Clearly, number 31, it's like back end of the first round is about where I see the backs of where I can value him. Um, but as you said, as I said, he's electric with the ball in his hands. Absolutely electric. It's one of those things where it's like if, if my team picked him at 17, it would be like sweet, but it's like probably could have got somebody more there. So, I mean, you're talking about value and everything. If, if you're picking 39, to 50, 41, 45, somewhere in that range. Like, and this kid is still somehow on the board and you get him, like, he might he might give you 12, 12 to 16 touchdowns rookie year. Like. Yeah, I mean, he's he's that type of player. He's just a, a difference maker when the ball's insane. He's one of the guys I'm most excited for to see play at the sector at this next level because I think, I think he's a guy that can. I would say like Tony Pollard's probably his best comp. Tony Pollard is supposedly going to be a bell cow now, so it's like maybe he can turn into that after a couple years of of relief. So you get a guy in the second or third round, or he's not going third, but you get a guy midway through the second, toward that early in his contract. So then you can pay him a second contract that's not ridiculous money. And then you have a guy like that for seven years compared to a first round running back that you basically know you're not getting a second contract to. So get him maybe a little bit cheaper. Um, and I think that's going to be the kind of the new trend is looking for guys that you can get in the second round, keep the carries off of them. Get, when they get their second contract, it's not what second contracts used to be for running backs, but they still get that second contract. And then you run them into the ground at that point. Yeah, I could I could, see, I could like, see that happening for sure. But I just wanted to I just wanted to give a quick shout out and some love to Premier Gibbs. He's he's my favorite running back in this draft. Yeah. Next up here, we're going back to Ohio State. You know yeah. I love Ohio State. That's my that's my second school, man. For your dude, for my dude, Paris Johnson Jr. Absolute unit. Absolute unit, man. This guy is just, I, I, I love watching his tape. Like, there's stuff to clean up. There is no no question about that. Andrew Thomas had stuff to clean up, too. Evan Neal even had some stuff to clean up. He's not Evan Neal as a prospect, but I think that his upside might be a little bit higher than Evan Neal's. Um, I mean, I, I look at the athleticism that shows out on tape, and it's ridiculous. I look at his arm length. It's utterly ridiculous. 36 and eighth inch offense. This guy yeah. is just, he is built to be a Hall of Fame offensive tackle. When I look yeah. at his his size profile, his athleticism, it, it it's like- all there. And the thing that really sells him for me is the off the field part. Because you can have all the potential in the world if your head's not on straight. What does it matter? I'm not worried about this kid's head. He started a foundation to help veterans and underprivileged children like three years ago. Yeah. He like graduated with a journalism degree and wrote for the Ohio State newspaper. Like th- yeah. there was just so much about this guy. His dad played in the NFL. 
he comes from good family. Like it's, there's a lot to love about his background. There's a lot to love about his size, athleticism, profile. And there's every he, reason for me to believe this kid's going to be really good at he, So he, he reminds oh, you have, <laughs> I didn't even see your comp here. I was about to say <laughs> his comp to me is Tyron Smith. And then I looked on your comparison here and it's Tyron Smith. So yeah, I mean, everything you just said, uh, size, raw power. How old is he? He's 21. 21. Okay. He'll yeah, be 22 so. by the time he plays in the NFL, but yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I was, I've, I've been thinking and he reminds me a lot of Tyron Smith coming out of USC, but dude, yeah. so I heard someone, I heard someone question that the other day. They were like, I don't know if he's the prospect Tyron Smith. Is. <laughs> I don't know Tyron if you Smith remember. Is... I'm pretty sure I remember Tyron Smith as being a, a pretty raw and a lot of question marks coming out, but an insane yeah. physical profile. It, he was considered a reach for the Cowboys at 10. Yeah. I think they picked him at 10. Because uh, there was another tackle that everybody thought the Cowboys were going to go with. Then with Tyron Smith instead. Then he was like immediately an all-pro and everything. And then people forgot about it very quickly. But yeah, there was some debate when we first took him. And I think Tyron Smith was... 19 when he got drafted, 20 when the season started. So incredibly young. But um, yeah, I, re- I remember that draft. Uh, I think that was the JJ Watt draft too. But yeah, I remember very vividly that that was before I really studied anything. But uh, a lot of people were surprised by the pick. There's another, ta- I can't remember who the other tackle was, honestly. Was, uh, if I remember correctly, there was another tackle everybody thought Dallas was going to take there. Yeah, so Paris, he's number nine on my big board. On average, he's like 18th or 19th, 18.8 on the average big board, which is just insane to me when you look at the the size profile and athleticism this kid's got. it's You've seen more guys drafted on traits that were more raw than this in the top 10. Oh yeah, and every year. Like, like I, I don't think he's falling out of the top ten. I don't, I don't see how someone's passing on him for another tackle in this class. And I mean, he played in the Big Ten. I mean, it's a, it's a big physical league. Like, Ohio State throws the ball more than other teams in that, in that league. But you're still going against pretty good defensive line week after week after week. So I mean, it's not like, it's not like he's face cupcakes on the D-line or nothing like that. No. Not quite. But uh don't you don't want to be around him when the goofy movie two is on. That's all I know. Uh that's I think that can go for anybody. Yeah, it's just uh I heard I, I heard on very good sources that Paris just gets extremely emotional whenever he's watching a goofy movie too. Don't we all brother. <laughs> don't we all brother <laughs> All right, let's keep on the offensive tackle aspect here. Going to Syracuse, Canadian native, Matthew Bergeron. Bergeron. Also known so, as Burge. Burge. So I don't know. I haven't watched much uh, O-line stuff this year. Uh, but... What do, you got, what do you got about this kid out of Syracuse? So, on average, he's 49th on big boards. He's 32nd on mine. <laughs> I think 32nd is perfect because talent-wise, I think he's like that's where the Bears pick? mid. No, no, not quite. But oh, no, talent-wise, I think he's a early to mid second rounder. So, like 49th makes sense. Yeah. But... I think offensive tackles tend to get pushed up. I think yeah. it's going to be really hard. Tackles, to quarter, tackles, quarterbacks outside of like 35. Rushers. Yeah, I think 35 is about your your floor of where this guy's going because there's a lot of offensive tackles in this class who I like a lot, who everyone else likes a lot. I think you have some drop-off from Bergeron to like Anton Harrison and Dewan Jones that – he is probably the last guy who's in that 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 first group of offensive tackles that you're saying we're going for this guy. We're comfortable with this guy playing for this next year. Like, and the real thing that I love about him that I think is going to make him really hard to get in the second round is 
is so damn versatile. Wherever your hole is, just put him there and he'll be fine. He can play left tackle. He can play left guard. He can play right guard. Play right tackle. So you're telling me uh, he he could be a very viable option for Cincinnati picking at, what, 29? Yeah, I think versatility. I, I If there's one thing I've learned about myself this year looking at all this, is versatility is one of the top traits I value in offensive linemen and because it's just such an important thing. Like, you look at what the Packers have done over the years. And they, they've just picked guys who can play all over the line, and they can plug wherever they need to. Because every year an offensive lineman's going to go down. Every year you're going to have to reshuffle the deck. That's my favorite thing about the next guy on our list. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the the other thing that I really value in offensive linemen is that uh, if they crave contact, if they're just try- seeking out contact and aggressively trying to put guys in the dirt and win wrestling, so, you know, and that's what Bergeron does. This guy wants to hit you, wants to hurt you, wants to put you in the dirt and kick you while you're down. Like, I, yeah, I I love it. So those two things being that good, I Matthew Bergeron is a guy who I've had to be high between the versatility and the nastiness that he brings to the table. Um, Going to have to work on his pass, pass set some, He's a little sloppy in him, at least at tackle. At guard, I think he's really good right from the get-go. And he's going to be a really good run blocker. No matter um, he actually, so some of the really interesting stuff with him too. So he grew up in Canada. He was playing at a university in Canada when the pandemic hit. And then he had to like, the, the, the university shut everything down and there was no more season. So he started sending his tape to just any any school in the U.S. who would take it, and Sy- that's how he ended up at Syracuse. In high school, this guy went he, at a prep school that he went to to play football. There was tuition; it, it wasn't like a, a full scholarship or anything. He worked at Home Depot to help pay the tuition, like all through high school. And like, I, I just love this guy's backstory. Yeah, that, that made me like him a lot. So I'm excited. Yeah, that's a. It's a name I hadn't really looked at too much yet, but I'm excited for that guy. And then what I've heard through back channels is that Thundercats is getting revamped and could not be more excited for it. Dude, he's all about Thundercats. He loves Thundercats. <laughs> all right, let's 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 keep it on with the big uglies here. Moving on. The big uglies. Texas Christian product. I love this guy. You were talking about versatility. I'm pretty sure this guy played every position on the offensive line at some point in his college career. This guy I love late first, early second for any team. Probably getting garter center out of him. Well, you are getting garter center. I don't think you can play tackle in the league. Very, very smart, very cerebral type offensive lineman. He's the guy that gets nasty with it. And I love, I love his film. I think he's a, a type of guy that worst case scenario, he's just a, a very average starter for you in the league. And if you if you can get an average starter at guard for six years, that's not going to be a liability for you. That's an absolute home run for me. Late, late first, early second. Vila is just so wide, man. Like, I think he can walk down a three-lane highway and no one can pass by him because he's just that damn wide. Like, <laughs> he's just... He's a fun watch. He's aggressive out there, but he's like, he's calm and aggressive at the same time. He's controlled, I feel like, in everything he does. And it's like, he's been, he, when you're watching, it feels like he's been here before, done this before. Like, everything is very, makes it look easy, which is a, a great trait to have, especially on the O line, where it's like, you see a lot of guys who panic. There's no panic in Steven. Yeah, controlled aggression is a very good word for him. Love, love this guy. Uh, first name is Stebon, even better. Yeah. And if there's one worry I have about him, it's if he goes to his own blocking scheme. Like, I, th- I think he needs a team that's going to run a decent amount of gap because I do I do wonder about his lateral mobility, his ability to, and what I mean by that really is his ability the to second get, level. Not even the second level. I think he's a monster in a straight line. It's really his ability to, if he's, if he's getting asked to go out on the move, his ability to move left and right, 
while keeping his hips square to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's what it comes down to. Can Because if you're not squaring up your target, you're going to have no power, right? You're, you're just you're just pushing at that point. You're not driving. You need to be able to keep those, those hips square so you can pop your feet back in place and just like go straight into driving. And that, that's what I question about him in his zone blocking scheme where you're, where everything is lateral. How much of that can he really do? That, that's where, and he did well in the shuttle run, better, much better than I expected, but I still have some questions from tape. One, one guy I'm very excited about, one guy I've, Watched a lot, being Big 12 guys, so uh, extremely excited for him. Do we have a fun fact on this guy? Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, so, this one, I heard straight from an employee the location there. I was just, like, walking around there for hours looking for some dirt. And they told me that one time, Steve Avila came in. I guess they were probably coming back from Lubbock or something in, in a Bucky's. And Avila held up the team bus refused to leave Bucky's for 13 hours because they were giving him free refills the whole time. He was just kept going up to the fountain, down and down good and that. Too. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, good thing we needed, we were drinking that many refills. You need a good bathroom. Absolutely. So we'll go on to the next guy here. Starting to get later on. We're looking at third round guys here. So probably late second, early third guys. We got Jervon Dexter. So, defensive lineman out of Florida. What? I think, I think he's a second guy. Yeah. I'm a little higher on him than he probably goes. Like, he's 40 on my list. His average rank is 95. I think it's safe to say he's going somewhere around 60, 60 to 70. Um, I'm a big fan of this guy. He's a very polarizing prospect, though, because his physical traits are clear. Like, he is a freak. He's standing six foot six, 310 pounds. He was listed at Florida as like 350 or something, which was obviously a lie. But he was 320 at his pro day. I don't think you're getting a 310 pound player. I think you're getting a 320, 330 pound player. Personally, I think everyone's looking at him as a three tech and is down on him because of that. I think this guy's a one tech. I think he's a nose tackle and a four, four man front. And He's got short arms. That's that's the real knock on him physically. But the rest of the physical stuff, pretty damn impressive. So I still love him. Um, the other big knock on him is that he is slow off the football. Sometimes it feels like a half second has passed and he's still in his stance. Personally, that's fixable. I don't see any reason why that's not fixable. So I'm still high on him because when I put on the tape, I see a guy eating up double teams like like it's just a piece of pepperoni and he's just moving off. Like This guy is stout, stout anchor despite playing with really poor leverage, which again, to me, that's fixable. What, like there is just so much upside with this player as a one tech to me that I don't see how he's getting out of the second round. When you're this quick, this strong and stout and big, like, I mean, he just... He had so much more juice than a nose tackle should that I'm really excited about what 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 this guy's future can hold. Now, granted, a lot of it with him is going to come down to interviews. How is he throughout the process? Do teams feel like they really can fix these things? But if they do, I'm super high on Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'll never begrudge somebody taking a SEC D lineman, that's for sure, so hard to hate on him and uh he, so i was i was talking to a couple of buddies that lived out in florida and i guess they were they were just at their favorite spot and he was he was there at applebee's the third time they were and he called the waiter over there asked to speak to the manager and they were kind of thinking to themselves they're like Is this guy really about to complain like future NFL star really going to complain about his order at Applebee's like trying to get a free bill or something but no they overheard it. the manager come over there and he's like hey uh, I've heard about this place my whole life I'm 22 years old and I've just never eaten here and I just want to tell you I finally understand the hype of Applebee's proceeded to to pay for the the meal at the table next to him as well because he was just like I want I want people to come back here this place is incredible 
That's a beautiful story. I- I'm glad he enjoyed Applebee's. Yeah, so big Applebee's fan. So let's kick it on over to the Big Ten and look into the secondary a little bit. We got Jartavius Quan Martin. Goes by Quan. Out of Illinois. Safety, nickel corner kind of combo. He's probably a safety in the NFL. I, I'm not sure if he's going to fully hold up as a cor- as a nickel corner full-time, but I think he could play there a little. How tall is he? Oh, or he's 5'11"? Not tall enough for Dan Quinn. <laughs> in the nickel? Dan Quinn don't draft nobody under 6'2". <laughs> Even in the nickel, 6'2 guys are just going to get torched in the nickel. <laughs> not, not according to Dan Quinn. <laughs> so, Juan Martin... This Illinois secondary is so interesting. Like, I'm not sure if Lovey was doing crazy shit with these guys, but Brett Belima's D coordinator was doing crazy shit with these guys last year. Like, just like inverted cover two stuff and just like crazy all out blitz, like four guys and man coverage. Like, they are fun to watch. And Quan Martin's a big reason why. Like, I think he's kind of getting overlooked a little bit in uh, Devon Witherspoon's shadow here, but like he wore so many hats in that defense and played such a versatile role, and he's such a, like he is a twitched up athlete well proportioned, like like I mean he's pretty, he's a chiseled dude out there he'll, he'll, br- he'll bring some pain when he hits yeah. you too like, he is not shy about smacking you in the mouth. Like Jalen Petrie from last year Yeah, yeah, very much so and just his hips are just on a swivel, man. The way, the way this 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 guy can just flip back and forth is super super impressive. Um, I think he should be playing more of a free safety role because when he when he's impressed, man, in the nickel, sometimes he struggles to recover deep. Even though he's got really good speed, it's not great speed. You know, he's like a four four yeah. six, which is good, but. When, when you need to recover and a guy's got to step on you, you need a little more than four, four, six. And that's what that yeah. happens sometimes in the nickel. Um, and I don't think he anticipates routes great. I think he he reacts to stuff really well, but I don't think he anticipates quite as well. So having a little more cushion behind him or maybe maybe if he's playing more of an off-man role in the nickel, like a, like more of a, a nickel backer type role. But really, I, I just think that there is so much versatility in this player. There are so many creative ways you could use him. And on the average big board, he's ranked 93. I've got him ranked 54th. I just think that versatility is going to be quite big with this guy. And he's got basketball athleticism. And he was he was the team's barber in college. He cut all his teammates' hair. Love it. So this is kind of like the hybrid position that I was, I was talking about last year during the draft that I think we're a couple of years away from like this being like the most sought after kind of like hybrid player three to four years from now. So there are a lot of guys like this in this class. If if you're getting a jump on that trend, definitely gotta look out for Jartavius Martin. Yeah. Right. And uh for most of his life, actually. He was led to believe that he was a direct bloodline to uh, Leprechaun Heritage. And he, he was crushed when he found out. Makes, it was makes sense for how short he is. Can't play for Dan Quinn. <laughs> Man, I don't want no 6-2 corner of the nickel. What are we doing here? <laughs> All right. We'll go to one more before we get to the spiciest juiciest prospect of the entire draft (laughs) so next guy isaiah mcguire like this guy's been slept on the whole draft process and he's starting starting to get some real real steam now late in the process here i mean physically he is really freaking similar to uh miles murphy out of Clemson. Yeah. Really similar, especially in his pro day. He ran a three, like here we can see his three cone was below average. At his pro day, he ran when that was above average and right on par with Miles Murphy. So like that, that, that comforts that a little more for Pro days, pro days shorter three cone. They, they juice those well, numbers. Probably, but it was, 
it was significantly better. Like <laughs> even juiced, like it made you more comfortable. He's at least near average. Not the, again, another edge rusher. He's probably not the bendiest guy. Really good fit for a four down front though. At 270 pounds, this guy's can gonna be just, able to hold up against the run just fine. Can we just take a moment to realize that we're we're breaking down these guys, projecting how good they're gonna be, and then you look at it and this guy's six four, two seventy, runs a fucking four seven. Like, how stupid is that for a human? I mean, I know it's very common, but just like, just saying it out loud. <laughs> if you think, if you think you're an athlete, go do a vertical jump and then compare it to these guys. Yeah. Cry. That's all you're going to do. It's just cry. Yeah. When you realize your vertical is half of what they do. Yeah. It's just insane. So, this broad, I, broad jump is 10 feet. Like, that's yeah. stupid. Yeah, you just you just look at some of these numbers and you look how big they are and you're just like <laughs> if if they lived biblical days, like they would like they would be talking about like Goliath being the David in the in the <laughs> fight versus some of these yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. These guys are hundred percent Goliath. Like they're freaks. Uh so McGuire, long arms. Good hand usage. Like I really, he's got strong upper body. He just swats swats blockers away sometimes. It's really impressive. Go check out his tape. He is a fun watch, and he is a guy who just hasn't gotten enough respect on his name. Um, ranked ninety and a half on average on the big board. He's sixty third on mine. I, I I think he's really talented. And granted, probably not sixty third on, on a big board for a team who runs a three four front. Or more yeah. of a hybrid front, but in a four-three, this guy's value. Absolutely, and uh, you got a fun fact on this guy. Yeah, um, I actually actually experienced this at the Senior Bowl. I, I brought some Gruyere cheese into a room, just like you know, as a snack, and he uh, left abruptly. And angry, Didn't have it. like he gave me, he gave me a, some side eye, and I, I asked one of his teammates the senior bowl what was going on, and he's like, "Oh, man, that dude hates green air cheese, refuses to be in the room with it, just doesn't can't do it, can't stand it." If you stand for if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. <laughs> Is green air cheese the hill you want to die on? I don't know about that. Alright, so we'll get to probably the most interesting prospect in the entire draft. Could be the greatest football player to ever step foot on the field or could be the worst thing your franchise has ever done when drafting a quarterback. Anthony Richardson. Eric Henry with a cannon of an arm. He's he's Derrick Henry, Jamarcus Russell, and Tyron Smith all wrapped into one. He's a freak. I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm like Kyle Shanahan or something, and I'm just like you know a coach who's just like so confident in my offensive scheme, and that as long as the quarterback just does what I tell him to do, they'll be great. That's what they do all for the Anthony Richardson train. Well, he can't stay healthy. That's different. That's Anthony insane. Richardson's 250 pounds of metal. Yeah, so he's he's a bigger, faster, stronger Cam Newton who didn't have the success in college. Yeah. Well, if he went to Blinn, he would have. Maybe. Blindergarden's a great place. Um, the crazy thing about Cam Newton looking back is like, Dude had no talent around him at Auburn. That was an actual championship. It is wild. But yeah, like everything about Anthony Richardson says he should be good, and then you turn on the tape and then you're just like, why is he not good? Like he's he's good, but it's just like you're playing against far, far uh inferior talent. I mean, so there are like, there are throws and plays on his tape 
that will make you drop whatever you're doing and just be like, oh shit, why? Yeah. How the hell did he do that? But, and there's also throws I mean, that will make you just like roll on the floor laughing because it's like, why did you do that? <laughs> so Patrick Mahomes had those same types of plays. I mean, he wasn't as big, obviously, but he didn't get anywhere. Maybe it's just a different era, but like he wasn't hardly getting half the love this guy's getting. And with Mahomes, it was like, he made those, th- he, he was making multiple throws like that a game. It wasn't just like, he made five throws this year, like the entire year that were like, wow, like Mahomes is doing it three, four times a game. And it took Matt Nagy, like the day before being like, we no matter what happens, we have to get this guy. To where I Andy mean, Richardson's being rumored as the number one overall pick. Mahomes didn't run a 4 4. That's probably the difference. Mahomes is still running this 40 from the combine. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Anthony Richardson seems like a, to me, he's, his ceiling is like a. What I is his ceiling? Freaking good. At, his ceiling is probably the greatest quarterback of all time, but it's like a tiny, tiny, tiny percent chance that he gets there. So, if I give you ceiling, ceiling is the greatest quarterback of all time. Floor, obviously, is Jamarcus Russell-esque. So, where... What is a, a good career for this guy? It's like, is it... I, I, I don't... I don't know what the middle a ground good is career? for this guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't know or for him specifically. Not like I know what a good career is for a quarterback, but it's like if you draft expectation. This guy, I'd say expectation is like Jeff George esque. Good is Jacob. Okay. But so in today's league. He's obviously going to probably rely on his leg early in his career, yeah. especially. So it's like, he's going to have the arm talent. So, you know, is is he like present day, like Randall Cunningham? This like monster arm can run. Like if, if you reincarnated Randall Cunningham into like 2023 with the size difference and the league then to now, do you just get Anthony Richardson? I mean, maybe, but I feel like Randall Cunningham was a lot more accurate. Well, did you watch Randall Cunningham in college? No, I didn't. That's just why I said I have to. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, arm strength, speed, oh. every, everything in one. Yeah, when I mean, you're, maybe, when you're comparing, yeah. When you're comparing, like, Comparing eras because I that's kind of you can't. I mean, Randall Cunningham's arm talent and speed probably is like not even close to Zach Wilson's. But I mean, I can't I can't sit here and honestly say I've watched enough Randall Cunningham to to really know. That, I just know from the like, stories is like, or I mean, I didn't watch, but just like hearing like my grandpa and like people talk like incredible arm like incredible power from the arm like take off at any time faster than everybody on the field type like just electric yeah i mean yeah i guess so i i can see that but i mean i i don't know what i don't know i just think he's such a massive risk like i understand the hype and i understand the ceiling but i think i thought with where the floor is it's just I thought this guy was stupid for declaring for the draft. Now it's like, there's like a real possibility that he goes number one overall. Really? Supposedly. Uh, I, don't I don't know. Frank Reich's doing that. I don't think so either, but. Wait, so if he doesn't go top 10, does he go in the first round? Yeah. I mean, he's number 77 on my board, but he's not getting outside the top 20, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just... 
I want to know. So, objectively, my own opinion, I think AR-15 is a great nickname. But if you're giving yourself that nickname in 2023, probably not the best decision maker. Yeah. Probably not. Like... Um, I mean, he's taking it all. He said, I, I don't, like, I'm not going by this anymore. But still, for what it, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, but was it a good nickname three years ago when he made the decision? No, no it wasn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, I understand that you're a kid, but you just have to have better awareness than that. And I, I do understand. I do know, like, as you get older. You, you have a better feel on things and like, but how do you not just be like, maybe like behind scenes, maybe like say it a couple times, but like to publicly have that be your nickname, <laughs> just kind yeah. of a red flag. He also had a, uh, speaking of red flags, if you consider this one, he had a speeding ticket at 105 miles an hour about a year ago. See, it depends on this. If, if you're on an open highway, 105 is really not that fast. Yeah. I mean, I I catch myself doing like 95 quite often in Texas. Yeah. I've been so, doing that before, so I don't so think it's it, a red flag. But it just depends. But I mean, if it, if you're like in a residential neighborhood, huge red flag. Yeah. So it just depends when and where. Oh, so I doubt it what, was that because that's probably coming up as a felony at that. Oh yeah. I think technically in Texas, if you get pulled over for doing over 100, it's automatic felony, but I don't think, like, we, we have 85 mile per hour speed limits. I don't think you're going to go to jail for doing 105 on a yeah on I-10 going to San Antonio or something, but yeah, it just depends on the scenario, and I mean, if, if he just got a ticket for it, I'm sure it was just a open highway type deal. It's like... It, it's not hard to go 105. Also, if you're looking for some viewing fun, he was featured on QB1 Beyond the Lights. Okay. Uh, but, I've, I haven't watched that season, but I might go back and watch it just to see. Yeah, this is a guy I would never want my team to draft. But if, if my team drafted him, then I would have no choice but to be super excited. Yeah. I, 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 the, the what if of it all exactly i'd be super pumped but at the same time like this was a terrible idea yeah it's one of those things where it's like i wouldn't say the lions because they're on the up and up browns have don watson uh carolina has the first overall pick i'm trying to think of teams that like historically like not been great that it's like might as well try it <laughs> like, well, Washington like, football commander is going to move up for him. Yeah, uh, that probably the perfect example. Get a new owner in there. Yeah. Or, uh, let's see, Falcons. Can see making that move. It's be a really good Arthur Smith fit. Uh, Falcons have loaded up on defense. If they could get a quarterback in there, if he could just not turn the ball over and they can run the ball 35 times a game if he's giving them 10 to 15 runs and then they can they can throw the ball 10 to 17 times a game he might be the perfect fit yeah i mean <laughs> I, I think i think him and an arthur smith offense is his best chance for success where are the Falcons picking seventh i think i thought that was seattle are they, maybe so Falcons are top 10 so they have their own pick yeah. For some reason, I was thinking they either traded or... Okay. But yeah, Falcons make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think they do. Because I think if it doesn't work out with him, they'll be bad enough to where they could they could turn around and get Caleb Williams next year if he's just, like, yeah, utterly terrible. He could be a tank commander for you. Yeah, it's like, worst case scenario, we get Caleb Williams next year best case scenario like he's the greatest quarterback of all time <laughs> um so red flag on um, though he really enjoys walking around the gym and putting clips on other people's weights mid rep 
like just pausing them and being like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me get you. Safety first. <laughs> you can never be too safe when you're in the gym. <laughs> no, you cannot. He, he makes sure of it. All right, we got to wrap up for our list of lists. All right. I mean, that's all I got, so. That's all I got. Boy. Perfect. Thank you all for listening. It's been fun. It's been real. And tell us if the Lions about to... I've got a future on one Super Bowl, so don't sleep on lines. Don't do it.